Welcome to Flip the Script Podcast News. All right, so there's going to be some changes to the podcast. So if you've been watching or listening the last couple episodes, ever since Afghanistan fell to the Taliban, I've been covering news related to Afghanistan or the Middle East. So I decided to do two types of episodes. One is going to be called Flip the Script Podcast News. There'll be a playlist. Check that out. And the other section will be for war stories, where I cover stories of war, and I go through the leadership uh, tactics and lessons learned. And also, I will be doing uh, the warrior mindset related videos um, that are not probably won't be on the actual audio podcast platforms. Just gonna be the news and the war stories on the audio platforms. Um, but for YouTube, there will be the warrior mindset videos I do as well. So those should be a couple uploads each week for this week to kick this off. I will be posting both Flip the Script podcast news and the War Stories episodes. There will be separate uploads, so there'll be two uploads for today. So check both of those out. Uh, the reason why I did this is because um, I decided to just change it up. Uh, adapt and see how it goes. You know, I didn't want to just do the news and then move into the war stories uh, in the same episodes because uh, you know it gets too too much. And you know, some people might be listening only for the war stories, and some people might be clicking on it, uh, you know, for the news updates. So I'm just gonna keep those separate. They will be in two separate playlists on the same channel. I was debating on whether I should open up another channel for the news, another one for the. Uh, for the war stories, but I decided just to keep everything in one. I'm still a new channel, uh, but we'll see what happens as time goes on. And, you know, so let me know. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, hit me in the comments and tell me what you guys think about that. All right, so we're going to get into the news. We're going to start off. We got some news coming out of Saudi Arabia. Uh, this is from MTV Lebanon. The Saudis intercept the Houthi missile and drone aimed at the oil region. All right, so it says that Saudi Arabia intercepted a ballistic missile and armed drones fired at its oil-rich eastern region by Yemen's Houthi group on Saturday, and two children were injured. By the resulting shrapnel, the Ministry of Defense said the, the Houthi movement, which has been at war with the Saudi-led coalition in Yemen since 2015, claimed responsibility for the saying it had targeted Saudi oil giant Armaco facilities at the Ras. Tanura in the city of Danman with eight armed drones and a missile. The Houthis also launched attacks on other ammo facilities in the southern Saudi provinces. So Saudi's Armaco did not immediately respond to requests for comment. A source familiar with the matter said that there was no impact on the company's infrastructure and the attack happened outside of its facilities. The missile was intercepted over Danman and scattered shrapnel, injuring two children and causing minor damage to 14 houses. The Saudi ministry said other missiles and drones were intercepted over Jizan and Nazran, it added. The eastern region, home to significant oil infrastructure, has been targeted by previous aerial attacks, including one on two Armaco plants in September 2019 that temporarily knocked out half of the country's oil production. Sheesh. A Saudi-led military coalition intervened in Yemen after the Iran-aligned Houthis ousted the government President Mansour Hadi from power in 2014. Ah, where there's smoke, there's fire with Iran, right? Iran is behind a bunch of different shadow organizations uh, causing terror, right? The Houthis, uh, they're behind Hamas. Uh, 
we could go on down the list of where Iran has their hands, right? All right, so peace talks backed by the United Nations and the United States have been focused on lifting a blockade on the Houthi-held ports of Sana Airport in return for a commitment from the Iran-aligned group for truce talks. But they have stalled in recent months with the warning sides failing to reach a compromise. There's uh, Iran doesn't really want to reach any type of deal. They just want to push their agenda on the world. All right, so other news from MTV Lebanon. Uh, there's been a trove of missing ancient Mesopotamian artifacts found in Norway. Norwegian police said on Friday they had seized a large number of archaeological artifacts reported missing by Iraqi authorities, including what presumed to be uh, cuneiform tablets from ancient Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia was the cradle of civilization, right? That's the first um, known civilization, well, actually some type of structure outside of you know being wild cavemen, right? The, the objects were found by the Norwegian National Authority for Investigation and Prosecution of Economic and Environmental Crime, which assisted Norway's Ministry of Culture in the search. The items have been part of a private collection in Norway, and while several witnesses were questioned, there were no criminal charges, a police spokesman told Reuters. In total, almost 100 objects of significance to the global cultural heritage have been seized, they said in a statement. They are now being examined by experts to determine their authenticity and, if possible, to establish their provenance. The police did not say when the items may have arrived in a northern European country or how they ended up there. Iraq is the site of Mesopotamia, a region home to many ancient civilizations, including that of Sumer, which developed the cuneiform, one of the world's oldest writing systems. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, Iraq has a lot of history. Iraq is also the site of ancient Babylon uh, civilization that we see in the Bible. So that's uh, Iraq's got a lot of history. Um, listen, man, I've always said that the the Middle East, they have a lot of potential to be tourist def destinations if they were to clean up uh, their governments and get the corruption out and get rid of the you know terrorists. You know, you look at what countries like um, the United Emirates have done with Dubai, you know, it's an amazing place. I haven't been, but, you know, from everything that I see and what I hear from Dubai is amazing. Um, you know, that whole region has a lot of potential to do a lot of good things. But right, we're going to continue. Let's flip the script. Uh, this is also from MTV Lebanon. It says the U.S. seen funding humanitarian aid for Afghanistan, but not its, which is good. We don't want to... Uh, fund the government, which is now in Taliban control. However, any aid that goes to Afghanistan is going to go into the hands of the Taliban anyway. So yeah, they should be pretty cautious, but let's continue. It says the U.S. Congress is likely to finance U.N. and other agencies providing humanitarian assistance for Afghanistan, but there is virtually no chance it will directly fund a new Taliban-led government. Congressional aid said on Friday, the United States has been a massive funder of Afghanistan since 2001, invasion to topple the Taliban, setting aside roughly $130 billion for security, governance, and development, and humanitarian needs. Aides to Democrats who control both houses of Congress and two Republicans said lawmakers were nearly certain to provide humanitarian aid for internally displaced Afghans and refugees, but not to the government itself, at least for now. It would be difficult to convince a member of Congress to do anything like that. It would appear to be supporting the Taliban government, a senior 
Senate Democrat aide said, citing the absence of oversight and the reluctance to support the government. A senior Senate Republican aide concurred. Republicans would absolutely not support giving money to the Taliban, the Republican aide said, saying that they do not want to provide any money until Americans and Afghans who worked with the United States can leave Afghanistan. While aides said that there was an understanding that agencies such as the World Food Program and the UN High Commissioner for Refugees would need funds, the Republicans said lawmakers would would want strict conditions on how it is spent. There needs to be a distinct look at what this is going to look like and how this is going to flow, he said. For fiscal 2022, starting October 1st, Congress set aside $136.45 million in the Economic Support Fund, which the Democrat aide said was a source for underwriting Afghanistan government salaries. The aides all but ruled out contributing to the salaries of Afghan civil servants who, working for under-Taliban-led government, might oversee such basic services as running schools, healthcare, clinics, and hospitals. I find it hard to imagine that happening in part because of how do we know that the funds weren't ending up in the wrong hands, said the senior Senate Democratic aide. The aide said Congress might appropriate as much as $144 million to $279 million it had set aside annually in the last decade for Afghan humanitarian need, depending on what the UN agencies and others determine is required. Any money going to Afghanistan humanitarian aid is going to be end up in the hands of the Taliban. How is it that you're going to get that money to the Afghans and not have it pass through the hands of the Taliban? It's going to be impossible. Taliban sources said the group's co-founder, um, Mullah Bashar, would lead a new government and set to be announced soon. Its first task may be to starve off the collapse of the, of the economy, grappling with drought and ravages of a 20-year war. Taliban fighters enter Kabul on August 15th. A massive U.S. airlift brought out about 124,000 Americans and foreigners and Afghans at risk from militant groups take over. Yeah, so I mean, listen... A lot of humanitarian aid is needed in Afghanistan. However, that aid is not going to go to the Afghans who need it. It's going to go to the Taliban. They're going to line their pockets, going to take it for themselves. They're going to use it to fund terror operations around the world. Also, MTV Lebanon, Taliban opposition vie to control Panjassar, Pakistan's spy chief, flies to Kabul. All right, so in opposition forces are fighting on Saturday for control of the Panjashir Valley north of Kabul the last province of Afghanistan holding out against Islamist militia, according to reports. Taliban sources said on Friday that the group had seized control of the valley, although the resistance denied it had fallen. The Taliban have so far issued no public declaration that they had taken the valley, which resisted their rule when they were last in power in Kabul in 1996 to 2001. So there's one province that is holding out against a Taliban takeover, and they are pushing back. A spokesman for the National Resistance Front for Afghanistan, which groups opposition forces loyal to local leaders, Ahmed Massoud, said Taliban forces reached the Darban Heights on the border between Kapisa Providence and the Panjshir, but were pushed back. The defense of the stronghold in Afghanistan is unbreakable, Fahim Dasti said in a tweet. Fighting was continuing in Panjshir, but the advance had been slowed by landmines placed on the road to the capital. It was not immediately possible to get independent confirmation of events in Panjshir, which is walled off by mountains, except for a narrow entrance that had held out against Soviet occupation, as well as the previous Taliban government, 
Celebratory gunfire resounded all over Kabul on Friday as reports spread the Taliban's takeover of Panjshir and the news agency said at least 17 people were killed and 41 injured in the firing. You fire rounds up into the air, what happens? Those rounds eventually come back down. They do not go out into outer space. You shoot round up in the air. If you're celebrating, shooting guns up in the air, those rounds are going to go somewhere. They're going to fall back to the ground. And yeah, and they hit 17 people, wounded 40 other ones, right? So Washington has accused Pakistan and the ISI of backing the Taliban in the group's two-decade fight against the U.S.-backed government in Kabul, although Islamabad had denied the charges after the Islamist group seized Kabul this month. Analysts have said Pakistan's role in Afghanistan will be much enhanced. Yeah, so I mean, Pakistan was hiding Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden was, had a safe refuge inside Pakistan, supposed to be our ally. And he's sitting there in a compound for who knows how many years he was there. You're going to tell me that the Pakistani government didn't know that he was there? I highly doubt that. All right, so what's next? Let's see. We got um, it's from the Washington Examiner. Former National Security Advisor calls for Afghanistan accountability. Retired Army Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, a former National Security Advisor to President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence, says that the public should be asking hard questions of senior military leadership regarding the Afghan withdrawal and evacuation. This is a quote. How the heck did we get into this position? Kellogg said in a Washington Examiner during a lengthy interview on Thursday. How do you create an army that folded in that matter of time? The Taliban did not have any artillery support. The Taliban did not have air or logistics support. How did we lose the country after 20 years of us being there? Somebody needs to be asking some questions about how did we get to where we're at and on the strategic failures that were made. So as I said in previous podcasts, the Taliban was paying off the Afghan military leaders and making agreements with them over the last couple months since the United States was going to pull out. They were paying off these Afghan military leaders for them to leave the country as soon as the U.S. came, uh, withdrew. And then they basically left their forces with no command and Taliban just came in and took over without even firing a shot. They outmaneuvered us. They applied the tactics of Sun Tzu, the art of war. They were playing a game, a mental strategic game that we weren't playing. And that's how they were in, end up taking it over. So there's a lot of hard questions that need to be asked by the American military at the three to four star level. He continued, I'm talking about how the David Petraces of the world and the H.R. McMasters of the world, the James Madises of the world, everybody who has touched that country, you ask them, how did we get here? However, Kellogg was hesitant to blame Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley, who also worked with the Trump administration withdrawal plan and negotiations with the Taliban. He consistently spoke about the idea of leader accountability throughout the interview, and Kellogg told the Washington Examiner that idea is personal. So, I mean, listen, our generals are not stupid people. The CIA over there is not, they're not stupid people. Intelligence agencies, they're not stupid people. Yeah, I mean, they knew that this was going to happen. They knew that the Afghan military was going to fall to the Taliban at some point. They didn't know how long it was going to take. They said it could be days, could be weeks, could be months. There's complete malfeasance that happened there, knowing that Afghanistan was going to fall to the Taliban, but still leaving all of our equipment and pulling out our troops before getting civilians and the Afghan nationals that helped us out of the country before the Taliban would take over. That makes zero sense. So we know why it happened. We know that it's because the Taliban was cutting deals with the military and the president of Afghanistan fled the country. All right. So we know that how that happened. But why is it that we 
took our military troops out, left American civilians and Afghan nationals that helped us in the war. Why did we leave them behind? And only to have to bring our troops back in, which resulted and had deadly consequences. That needs to be investigated. That needs to come down and there needs to be accountability for that because that didn't have to happen. The correct strategy to pull out was to get civilians, Afghan nationals to help us out of the country first, then get our equipment out, then get our troops out. Then we wouldn't have to return back to Afghanistan and have a deadly conflict like we did when we saw with the bombing at the airport, which resulted in Marines and Navy corpsmen and other service members murdered. There needs to be accountability for that 100%. All right, so that's it for Flip the Script podcast news for today. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Hit the share button so that your friends can watch. And also keep on the lookout and watch for updates. Hit that little uh, the little bell on YouTube so that you get notifications when I upload. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, then you know hit make sure you hit the follow, hit the subscribe button, whatever it is. And then uh, you'll see the new episodes when they're uploaded to the platforms. All right. So hope you enjoyed. And... Hope to see you next time. This is Flip the Script. Podcast news out.